All right, guys, great to see you tonight. I know you're glad today was your last day of school, yeah? All right, everybody all over the building, let's stand together. Let's talk about Jesus. Let me hear you sing it nice and loud now. Ready? One, two, three. Let's talk about Jesus, the King of kings. Is he the Lord of lords, the Lord of lords supreme throughout each earth. The great I am. The great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Super job. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you tonight. We're glad to be in your house. We don't take for granted that the doors are open and folks are here tonight to hear from heaven. So, Lord, I pray that you'd bless us with your presence this evening. Lord, I thank you for the Iwana program, what it's accomplished in 2018. Bless them tonight as they do their end-of-the-year celebration. Lord, I thank you for this time of year and what it stands for. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come here, you two boys. Can I borrow you two, Micah? Come on up here, guys. Quick, quick, quick. Come on, big guy. Come on, come on, come on. Grab your Bible. Micah, great. You got your Bible, buddy? Grab it. Somebody in this church better have a Bible. All right. All right, put that flag up nice and high for me there, American flag. Nice and high. There you go. Ready? Pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Good job. Thank you, Jason. Mason, hold that up nice and high. Good job, buddy. Ready? Pledge. I pledge allegiance to the... One more time. I'm sorry. I messed it up. One, two, three. Pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands. One Savior, crucified, risen, and coming again with life and liberty for all who believe. Good job. And the Bible. Thank you, Micah. Nice and high. Ready? Pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path and hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Good job. Thank you, boys. And I'm not going to hold you all up tonight. Hold on there, big guy, because you all are having parties this evening. So, Cubbies, you can head straight on out. You better go catch him. All right. Sparks is follow right behind them. TNT right behind. Amen. Let's all stand together tonight. Grab your blue song book. Turn to page number 423, Joy to the World. We'll do that first and last verse tonight. Page number 423 tonight. First and last verse. Joy to the world. 
so much. Uh, appreciate you being here this evening. Uh, we're going to open up in a word of prayer. We'll do prayer requests in just a bit, but let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. If you're glad you'll be here on a Wednesday evening, say amen. Lord, we love you. And again, thank you for doors open tonight. Thank you for a congregation, Lord, that wants to have Bible study still. We are so thankful for folks' willingness to take time out of, I know, a busy week to pause just a few moments and study the Word of God. Lord, I pray that you'd open it up and illuminate it tonight. Show us what we stand in need of this holiday season. Lord, as we pause a few moments to celebrate a, a baby in a manger who became a lamb on the cross. Thank you for that beautiful story. And Lord, bless our time tonight in Christ's name. Amen. Let's have a song of fellowship, Brother Ken. Amen. Page 421 tonight, the first Noel. We'll do that first verse, page number 421 tonight.
I was wondering why she kept playing, then I realized she can't see a thing back here. She'd have been playing until 9.30 tonight if I didn't go over and tell her we were good. All right, we're going to take prayer requests this evening. Let me give you just a couple, and then we'll get into the word of the Lord this evening. I want you to really be lifting up Sister Nadine Allen I put out on our call system. Uh, Nadine's got lots and lots and lots of health issues, and I, I was over there just a bit ago. Pray for Nadine. Uh, she really needs a touch of the Lord now, so remember her in prayer if you would. And, of course, Sister Alice Campbell and the home going of her sister as well. We'll take your requests over here on my left tonight. Want to share? Brother Josh. Absolutely. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. Somebody else on my left. Woody? All right, certainly. Brother Rufus? All right, well, let's remember that one. Thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am. All right, sister. Certainly. Somebody else on my left. Yes, Josh? Remember that. Thank you. Ms. Rohr? Absolutely, Mr. Nant. You bet. Somebody else on my left. Brother Rohr? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Amen. I don't know what we're going to do with our time now. <laughs> Absolutely. I told him Sunday night uh, as we were praying for the last time, every year when it rolls back around, I think, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it's time for this already. And then when it's done, over, I'm like, I can't believe it's already over with. I appreciate all the work that went into it and appreciate y'all's kind words. Yes, ma'am. Sister Craig? That's going to kill her, isn't it? <laughs> That's going to be the hardest part for her. Anybody, thank you, sister. Anybody else on my left tonight? Thank you for these. In the middle, I want to share an outspoken request. Brother Cassidy? All right. All right. Somebody else? Yes, sir, Brother Upchurch. Absolutely. Thank you, Brother Bobby. Anybody else? Keith? Amen. All right, buddy. Absolutely. Somebody? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely, Sister Sue. Appreciate that. Somebody else in the middle? Chester Wayne? Absolutely, absolutely. Did I see? Yes, ma'am.
Sister Patsy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Miss Patsy. Thank you for these. Anybody else in the middle? Outspoken request. All right. On my right tonight, want to share an outspoken request this evening. Anyone? Miss Irma? Amen. Mr. Armour was telling me about this tonight. Some of you may have heard about this. I didn't know about it. Uh, Brother Jerry will, and Miss Dreamer uh, will be going on a new mission work in California. Uh, prison ministry. Is that what you told me? Prison ministry. So we'll keep you updated on that as that begins to unfold. And I'm glad you told me that. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Anything else, Miss Irma? Amen. Absolutely, Sister Irma. Somebody else on my right tonight. Yes, ma'am. You bet. Anyone else this evening want to share? Mary Margaret? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Brother Vernon? Absolutely. You are correct. So please lift up Brother Johnny. Some significant things he's dealing with. Yes, sir. Cam? Absolutely. I have to tell you this. This will put a smile on your face. Um, uh, of course, Courtney had a major role in the, in the drama. We kept telling her she could not have any labor pains, any contractions, anything like that. Then when we did the final thing on Sunday night, there was about seven people that turned to Courtney and said, okay, you can have the baby now. <laughs> As if that's what she was waiting on. She stood up tonight and grabbed her stomach, and I said, nope, not in here, you're not. <laughs> Anybody else have an outspoken request this evening you want to share publicly? Yep, go ahead. Mm. Absolutely. Thank you, Josh. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. All right, member, Sister Pam Biggs, thank you so much appreciate that unspoken request that you want to anyone tonight all over appreciate that so much this evening fellas would you make your way down tonight congregation i want you to turn in your bibles first of all to luke chapter number two but i also want you to have ready deuteronomy leviticus we're going to be looking in that general passage luke chapter two and then deuteronomy and leviticus as well renee if you'll just play us a song lord bless the offering tonight lord bless our bible study we'll thank you and praise you in christ's name amen
Thank you, Mr. Name is Lisa. Luke chapter number two tonight, if you would, please. I want you to jump over with me to verse number 21 and then put your bookmarker there in Luke 2. We'll reference this a lot, but we're going to look at a few passages in the Pentateuch as well, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Uh, uh, when we talk about the Christmas story, there are parts of it that are always mentioned, always talked about. We did our best to portray a good portion of it uh, uh, during our Christmas drama. But the Christmas story does not end with the shepherds and the wise men. In fact, there is a part of the Christmas story that is seldom taught, seldom preached about, seldom really even looked at and examined, but it is such an interesting part, and it is what I want us to focus on tonight. It is, in fact, as far as we know in Scripture, the first time that Jesus ends up in the tabernacle, or what we would think of today as the Lord's house, as being dedicated and redeemed. Think about that for just a second. The great Redeemer had to be redeemed. But in this particular passage, 40 days after the birth of Christ, Mary and Joseph do what is their duty, biblically, and I'll show you that tonight, to do what is required of them for their firstborn son. And we find out a lot about their character. We meet two interesting characters, Simeon and Anna. All of these things really, I think, make up an interesting portion of our story that is so seldom talked about. So let's begin our narrative tonight in verse number 21, and we will read down through verse number 38. Notice what it says in verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, the child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel 
and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Verse 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow, widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all that looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. I want to talk to you for a few minutes tonight about the Lord's appearance at the Lord's house. The Lord's first appearance at the Lord's house. I don't need to tell any mother or grandmother in the building tonight that one of the big deals for Christian parents is the first time they bring that child to church. Many, many uh, uh, new parents will have very beautiful clothes laid out, clothes specifically purchased for the great event. Uh, there are countless moms and grandmas who ooh and ah as they gaze upon that baby for the first time. I get amused as newborn, or rather first-time parents, seem to be very protective and want to keep the child away from everybody. But once you get to that second, third, or fourth child, you can't wait to drop them off in the nursery. Amen. You can't wait for somebody else to take them. Amen. It is a big deal when you get to bring that child to the church often for the first time. I have no doubt that that was much the case as Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the tabernacle or the temple, not the church, but the temple for the first time. Our text takes us to Jerusalem for an event that I will show you in a moment occurred 40 days after the birth of Christ. So a little over a month now since Christ had been born in the northern province of Galilee in the city of Bethlehem. And now uh, Mary and Joseph have made their way back down to Jerusalem to take part in what was a very important, very sacred, uh, and a biblically required ceremony of redeeming the firstborn child. In fact, I, I want to invite you to please put your bookmarker here in Luke because we're going to refer to this a lot. But turn with me, if you would, to Deuteronomy chapter number 18. Look at Deuteronomy chapter number 18. Look at verse number 4. Notice what Scripture says. The first fruit also of thy corn, of thy wine, of thine oil, and the first fleece of the sheep thou shalt give him. For the Lord thy God hath chosen him out of all the tribes to stand a minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. For the sake of time, we won't keep reading. This passage is referred to as the uh, redeeming of the firstborn. While they were there, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and a very unusual event occurs. Moms and grandmas, I want to set the stage for you specifically because you can imagine how you would react if you walked into the church, it's one thing to be surrounded by people you know and love. 
and they're cooing and ooing over the baby. Dads and grandpas, I think you'd probably feel the same way. But if an unusual person that you've never met before, that you've never spoken to before, comes up to you and grabs up your child, you're going to probably react in a not-so-pleasant way. Amen. I have a feeling uh, that there might be a few things you might say or try to do in order to protect yourself or to protect your child. Uh, This was a very unusual situation. And I want you to notice it wasn't just one person, it was two. It wasn't just one elderly individual, Simeon, but it was two elderly individuals, Simeon and Anna, neither of which uh, were familiar to Mary and Joseph, both of which had been sent there by the Holy Ghost. And so for the think with me now, the first time, hear me, the first time that Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple, he's already being worshipped. He's already being praised. He's already being adored. There is much that we can unpack as we look at this story because it really shows us some of the characteristics, some of the characters, if you will, and some of the life that surrounds Mary and Joseph. But as we go into this tonight, I don't want us to just look at it from a historical context. That's great. But I want us to also look at it from an application context as well. So again, put your bookmarker here as well or a piece of paper because we're going to be flipping back and forth to these passages. I want to show you scripturally why they were doing what they were doing. Three things that we'll look at tonight with regards to this first time that the Lord is in the Lord's house. Number one, I want you to note with me the respect of the parents, the respect of Mary and Joseph. Now, there's a lot that we don't know that happened in these 40 days. How do we know it's 40 days? I'll show you in just a moment. The time of the purification is a 40-day requirement. So there's a much that has undoubtedly happened between the birth of Christ in Bethlehem, in the stable, in a manger, And now, what is the uh, 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 redemption of this firstborn some 40 days later? If you'll note with me in verse number 21 of Luke, chapter number 2, we find, as we've mentioned repeatedly, and you know this story, that Luke declares that Joseph and Mary, and specifically, were told that Jesus was to have a very specific name. Verse 21 says, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus. Let me explain to you what is being talked about here. The time from which a mother gives birth until she was rendered Levitically clean again was 40 days. After that time of 40 days, the firstborn male, I'll show you the scripture in just a moment, was to be redeemed or purchased back from God as an act of redemption for that firstborn. Scripture tells us that eight days after Jesus was circumcised, he was named. That is also Jewish custom as well, not law, but was Jewish custom. The child, would, the male child, typically would not be named until eight days after the circumcision. And now once that event has occurred... It is time to name this child, and not surprisingly, Mary and Joseph follow the leadership of the angel, the leadership of the Spirit, when they were told to name this child Jesus. 
Now, we know all about this. None of this takes us by surprise. But I want to remind you of something we said last Sunday. Jesus was not part of Joseph's name. It would be unusual for Joseph to name a child something other than what derived from his own name. So to name a child Jesus was unusual. But I want to take it a step further. I told you this past Sunday, and many of you know this already. The name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. So it's a, it's a name that references God. Can I remind you that Mary and Joseph were in all likelihood the talk of the town? Can I remind you that there was probably a lot of gossip uh, that surrounded Mary and Joseph? Can I remind you uh, that Mary and Joseph uh, were those that seeming to have a shotgun wedding, if you will? Uh, things expedited very quickly. Uh, and so now to name this child Jesus, uh, Jehovah is salvation, certainly must have raised some eyebrows. Stay with me now. Because not only were they following the leadership of the angel, they were also following the letter of the law. I want you to go back to the Pentateuch. Go to Exodus chapter 13, please. Exodus chapter 13. We will look at verse number 2 to begin with. Exodus chapter number 13. We'll look at verse number 2 and then also verse number 12. Exodus chapter 13. Verse number 2. Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. And by the way, you know this. The word sanctify means to set aside, to set apart, to make special. Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both the man and of beast. Notice these next three words. It is mine. Go to verse number 12 now. Notice what Scripture says. Thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix, and every firstling that come of a beast which thou hast, the males shall be the Lord's. By going to the tabernacle to redeem this firstborn son, to set aside, to sanctify him as was commanded. Mary and Joseph are literally following the letter of the law. We might say it like this. They're doing exactly what the Bible tells them to do. They're doing exactly what Scripture commands that they do. I want to pause a moment and make a very important statement. We teach our children about being dedicated to the Lord when we exhibit dedication to the Lord. May I also say we teach the opposite as well. It is our actions as parents, as grandparents, uh, as caregivers. It is our actions, and I say us uh, collectively, it is our actions that speak far greater than our words. We can talk all day long about how important it is uh, to be a believer, to be dedicated, to be committed, to be faithful. But may I say to you, actions show those kids and grandkids that we actually mean what we say. By doing what they're doing, Mary and Joseph are literally following the dictates of Scripture. Notice number two tonight. Not only do you see their respect, but I want you to notice their resources. I know you're flipping back and forth. Uh, go to Leviticus chapter number 12. Go to Leviticus chapter number 12. Very important passage. Leviticus meaning literally the law that talks about uh, what was to be 
purchased or what animal was to be used for the process that Mary and Joseph are now embarking upon. Notice what it says. Leviticus chapter 12, verse number 1. The Lord said unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived seed and born a man-child, then she shall be unclean seven days, according to the days of the separation of her infirmity, shall she be unclean. Wait a minute, Pastor Greg, I thought you said 40. Hold on, we got to keep reading. Notice the next verse. In the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. She shall then continue in the blood of her purifying three and thirty days. She shall touch no hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary, until the days of her purifying be fulfilled. Verse 2 is seven days. Verse 4 is thirty-three days. Seven days and thirty-three days make how many days, church? Forty days. Keep reading with me. But if she bear a maid child, then shall she be unclean two weeks, as in her separation, and she shall continue in the blood of her purifying three score and six days. And when the days of her purifying are fulfilled for a son or for a daughter, please note verse number six, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest, who shall offer it before the Lord and make an atonement for her. She shall be cleansed from the issue of her blood. This is the law for her that hath born a male or a female. The only difference between a male child and a female child is the timeliness of the purification. Go to verse 8. And if she be not able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtles. And by the way, the turtles mean turtle doves there. Or two young pigeons, the one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be clean. So let me, let me make sure you understand all of this. So the mother has given birth to a male child. She's got a purification time period of 40 days. If she's given birth to a female child, she has a purification time period that extends by a few extra days. When all is said and done, it is time to go back to the tabernacle for the male child to purchase or to redeem and for either child for a burnt offering and a sin offering. Now, I have to tell you, many times I look at this and I think, my goodness, why do you have to do all of this? May I just remind you that this was all settled at Calvary. <laughs> but I want you, here's what I want you to get, folks. The average ordinary person would bring a lamb. The lamb would be the sacrifice. You know this already. The lamb presents, represents, and typifies who, church? Jesus. Jesus. But wait a minute. Lambs are not cheap. Lambs are not easy to come by if you are of poverty-stricken means. And so in verse number 8, there is what is referred to as the poor's gift or the poor's purchase or the poor's redemption. Instead of bringing a lamb, you could bring two turtle doves, a burnt offering, and a sin offering. Or you could bring two pigeons. Again, one for the burnt offering, one for the sin offering. The cost of the pigeons or the turtle doves uh, was about a tenth the cost of the lamb. Now jump to verse number, or jump to Luke chapter 2. 
jump back to Luke chapter 2, please. Because this is critical for us to understand that when it was time for Mary and Joseph to come to the sacrifice, notice what it says in verse number 24. To offer a sacrifice to that which is set in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. What is this getting at, Pastor Greg? This is getting at the fact that Mary and Joseph were by all accounts very poor folks. These were not economically advantaged individuals. These were people who by all accounts could not afford to bring what was the typical offering. They could not afford to bring the lamb. So they brought the what is referred to as the poor man's offering or was the turtle dove or the pigeons. But can I pause a moment and remind all of us folks that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And it doesn't matter whether we're giving a million bucks or a buck. If we're giving it with a cheerful heart out of the abundance with which God's blessed us, he will use that to multiply it for his gain. I'm also reminded that not only was their attitude cheerful, but their availability was cheerful as well. How do you know that, Pastor Greg? Well, it's pretty obvious to me that they showed up, did what they were supposed to do, when they were supposed to do it, as was outlined and mandated according to Scripture. Let me let you in on a little secret. I, I, I know a lot of preachers won't tell you this, but I will. When you get down into the weeds of Leviticus, it's hard to remember all that stuff. It's hard. We talked about this in the play. There, were 600, there are 613 laws that you have to remember if you are a committed Jew. And if you break one of them, you're guilty of breaking them all. Look at me, folks. I'm guilty of breaking them all because I can't remember more than about a dozen. So with Mary and Joseph showing up at this time on the 40th day, having named Jesus eight days after the circumcision, they are literally following the letter of the law, though they were poverty-stricken individuals. So that's all well and good. They show up to, quote-unquote, the church. It's the temple. You know what it is. It's the tabernacle. They show up to the church to do what they think is going to be a very simple ceremony, present either their turtle doves or pigeons, have the burnt offering, have the sin offering, bless the child, and leave. But then suddenly something strange happens. We go from, number one, what we said tonight was their respect to number two, their resources, to number three, what I'm calling the rejoicing. When they walk into the temple, God is at the same time sending someone else there as well. How do I know that? Because Scripture very clearly says that Simeon was led there by the Holy Ghost. This was no accident. This was no happenstance. This was no coincidence. I don't believe there is a such thing as coincidences in God's time schedule. This was the divine hand of God and please, I'm going to say this, and I mean it with every ounce of respect. A man who on the outside might have seemed a little bit kooky showed up and did something breathtaking. What happened? We will spend the rest of our time in Luke chapter number 2. So please flip back there if you're not there already. When Simeon enters the temple, he sees this child. 
I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, Simeon doesn't know to begin with why God's leading him there. Simeon is not even sure why he's going, other than Scripture says he's being led there by the Holy Ghost. And when he sees this child, he immediately knows, this is why God brought me here. Now, what, is God, what, is, what does Simeon see? What he's, this, I had one of these aha moments last week studying for this. He sees something and says something that up to this point nobody has mentioned. Nobody, I can't believe I've never seen this before, but he says something that nobody's even talked about. Go back into our text, please, if you would, and note with me verse number 26. Why does he begin to praise God? Well, notice what it says in Luke 2, verse number 26. As it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. I got to pause a moment. Christ is not a name. Christ is a title. It's Christos. It means uh, anointed one. So just like we talk about Caesar, Caesar is not a name. It's a title. President is not a name. It's a title. The, name, the word Christ is a title. So the Lord had told Simeon that you will live long enough to see the anointed one or the Messiah. What a powerful statement. Keep reading. Verse number 27, he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Wow. The moment that Simeon looks at this baby who eight days ago was circumcised, whose mother and father, whose mother and father have just brought him in for the purification. The moment he looks at this child, he says, that's the one. That's the one. That's the Messiah. That's the Christ. That's the anointed one. And he swoops in, picks him up, and says, I'm paraphrasing, Lord, now I can die a happy man. Why? Because now I have seen thy salvation. Can I, can I make a very simple statement that I know you know, but I just like saying, whenever you get a fresh glimpse of Christ, whenever you get a fresh glimpse of Jesus, you cannot help but be changed by that glimpse. Looking at Jesus with our mind's eye cannot help but transform us when we recognize who he is. But it is the next statement that I'll be candid with you. I'm embarrassed that I never thought about before. Look at what he says in the next verse. Look at what he says, verse 31. Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. And look at verse 32. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Church, I challenge you to go back and see and read what the angels said to Mary. Had nothing to do with Gentiles. I challenge you to go back and read Isaiah 9, chapter 9, verse 6, and talk about uh, 
all that Jesus would be. At this point, uh, from everything that I've read, and I went back about a dozen times to make sure I was saying this right, nobody has said anything about the Gentiles. Jesus came to the who first? To the Jew first. And up to this point, all the language from the angels... All the conversation has been all about uh, how he's come to the Jewish nation. But this old fella, who to the average person might seem a little bit kooky and strange, is so in touch, I love this, is so in touch with God that God has told him this child is not just going to be the Savior of the Jews, but the Savior of the Gentiles. Think about that, folks. We know nothing about Simeon. He pops up, does something strange, vanishes, and we never see him again in Scripture. But he was so in touch with God that God told him, that child will save the Jew and Gentile alike. I'm kind of reading between the lines now, but I can just imagine Mary and Joseph saying, do what? The Gentiles... Whoa, 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 whoa. He's here to save the Jew. And I can imagine Simeon saying, you have no idea. Why? Because all of a sudden, the prophet in Simeon becomes to speak. He talks to Mary about a sign. He talks to Mary about the sword. He talks to Mary about all of these things that are going to happen and how she's going to be wounded and hurt and how Jesus would be a stumbling block, all of which was exactly 100% true. I can't help but think of Mary and Joseph. In fact, when you see the last clause of of the verses we read, Mary and Joseph, every time they meet somebody else, their world changes. Every time they meet somebody, encounter someone else, whether it is the the shepherds or two years later, the wise men. By the way, this is another reason why we are convinced that the wise men came two years later. Because if Mary and Joseph would have had gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they could have afforded a lamb. This is another reason why we know uh, that they had not heretofore received these gifts because they're bringing the poorest of the poor gifts. So now, what happens? Well, Simeon does his bit, and here comes another lady. Another elderly church person, we'll use that term, walks in, full of the Holy Ghost, full of God. His name is Simeon. Her name is Anna. What do we know about Anna? Well, we know a few things about her. I'll go quickly. We know that she's 84 years of age. We know that she had spent most of her life a widow. How do we know she's 84? Four score and four. The score is 24, score is 84, is 84. She'd spent most of her life as a widow. She's from the tribe of Asher. That's interesting. The tribe of Asher had disappeared some 800 years prior, part of the northern ten tribes of Israel that had vanished, but God knew where they were. She was part of the tribe of Asher. We knew that she was completely faithful at the temple. We know that she was fasting and praying regularly. We know that she was part of a group that was waiting on the Messiah. And here's what I like the most. We know that when she got through, she went and told everybody she knew that she'd seen the Christ. Let's go back and read about Anna. Nobody ever preaches on her. Notice what it says, verse 36. There was one Anna, a prophetess. I think that's the reason Baptists are afraid to preach about Anna because of that little word prophetess. 
And there was Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. Scholars are not in complete agreement with this, but most of us agree that what that means is that she had lived with her husband for seven years and he died. Now, we don't know how old she was when she got married. Typical married age of the Jewish young girl was 14 or 15. Let's say that she lived with him for seven years, 22. She's 84 now. She'd been a widow some 60 plus years. What had she been doing all of that time? Well, notice what it says. She was a widow of about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. She coming in that instant, that instant is the instant when Simeon was giving praise, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. I love that last clause. For all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Again, we talked about this in our play. I'm nearly done for tonight. For the vast majority of Jews, they were waiting on a Messiah that would throw off the yoke of Roman bondage. They were waiting for a Messiah that would reestablish Israel as a world power again. Bring back the glory days that were present during Abraham. Bring back the glory days, especially during David and during the reign of King Solomon, David's son. But there was a remnant. There was a group of people who understood that the kingdom that the Messiah was bringing forth wasn't a physical kingdom, but was a spiritual kingdom. Here's what I scratch my head. How did Simeon and Anna know that was him? How did they forget about these pictures where you see Mary and Joseph and Jesus with halos around their head? That didn't happen. But I believe these two senior saints were so in touch with God. This doesn't sit well with a lot of Baptists. But I believe when they walked in the temple, God spoke to their hearts and said, That's him. That's him. After all, it was said of David he was a man after God's own heart. It was said of Abraham that it was God's friend. I, again, Baptists don't like this. I believe that you can get so close to God that you feel his heart beat and he feels yours. Some of you know exactly. I'm not, I hope I'm not getting too far out on a limb for some of you. You know what it's like uh, to not know what to do over a situation, not have clarity, not have peace about it, and somehow God intervenes in such a way that you know what you need to do. That's God. And I believe when, 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 when Mary and Joseph walked in, bringing this little baby in with them, here comes Simeon. He sees it, swoops him up. I'm surprised Joseph didn't try to punch him out. But after all, he done been greeted by shepherds and all kinds of other crazy people. Why not one more? Amen. Simeon comes in, swoops him up, lifts him up and said, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation. I can die a happy man. About that time, Anna walks in. She starts celebrating and praising God because she too knows what's going on. And just like that, both of them vanish from Scripture. I have, I'm done with this. I have a ton of applications that we can take away from this. Let me give you just a couple of them quickly. 
Folks, following the dictates of Scripture is always a good advice. Let me, let me be honest with you. Sometimes I don't even understand at all why you got to do it, but I take comfort in the fact that God knows what he's talking about. I also will say to you tonight very simply that the appropriateness of praise in the house of God is evident here. The fact that God is no respecter of persons. Uh, he did not just limit it to Simeon. It was Simeon and Anna. The fact that God can take the smallest of gifts uh, that Mary and Joseph bring and use it to, to accomplish great things. The list goes on and on and on. But here's what I want you to get most of all. You can be so close to God that God talks to you when you talk to him. Now, don't look at me cockeyed. I'm not talking about an audible voice. You know that. But I am talking about that voice that speaks to your heart and informs you of exactly what he wants to say. Let's stand to our feet tonight. What a beautiful reminder, I think, of this Christmas season, adoring the Christ child. If you want to slip up to the altar tonight, you're welcome to do so. I'm going to close this out in a prayer this evening. Father, thank you for this few moments to pause and talk about what is an often forgotten piece of the Christmas story. The adoration of Simeon. The praise of Anna. These precious two senior saints who the moment they gazed upon this Christ child knew in an instant that this was the Messiah. Lord, again, it's a reminder to my heart, to me, and I hope to our congregation that we can live close enough to you that we can, we can feel your heartbeat and very clearly know what it is you want for us, with us, and through us. Lord, I know the next several days, the next week's going to get crazy for all of us. Lord, I want to just stop a moment and say thank you for sending your only begotten Son into the world that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Lord, may we also be like Simeon and Anna, not ashamed nor afraid to tell everybody we know that Jesus is the Christ. Lord, thank you for the season, what it represents. Thank you for these good folks who come out on a Wednesday night to unpack another passage of Scripture and share burdens and prayer requests. Lord, I ask you to touch Sister Nadine tonight there in the hospital. Lord, all of these other requests that have been mentioned tonight, we know that you've heard each one. Lord, I ask that you touch each one in accordance with your will. Bless us. Bring us back on Sunday. We'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' sweet name. Amen, amen. Thank you for being here tonight, folks. You're dismissed this evening.